Welcome to West. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us this morning, whether you're here for the first time with us at Lake Norman High School or whether you're worshiping with us online. We extend a very special and warm welcome to you. Today is a different kind of day. We call it a no huddles day. The message is shorter than an hour. Like I know sometimes you feel like I preach for an hour, but actually the message will be about 20, 25 minutes. And then the last half of the worship service, we actually go break out of the comfort of our cushy seats and we go do something, and this Sunday we actually get ready for the back-to-school bash. So you'll hear about that a little later in the service. We are finishing up a message series on busting up the myths that we believe are in Scripture but actually are not. We've talked about the statement that everything happens for a reason. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Money is the root of all evil. Those are three statements that are commonly believed to actually be held in scripture and they frankly they aren't in there so this morning we are ending this message series next week we're going to kick off one that goes alongside the olympics called a new world and we're going to talk about what what jesus would have had the world look like today and so that starts next week but today we are going to deal with the statement that uh i have no idea what it is hold on i've got them all in my head God God helps those who help themselves. All right, good. See, all right, that's what happens when you don't preach with a manuscript. You get confused. God helps those who help themselves. Actually, that originated back in 5 BCE, and it was Greek mythology. It became famous, and you know the eight out of 10 people when polled it was this in scripture by the Barna Group. They said that this statement actually was in scripture and Jay Leno went and did a poll and many thought it was actually one of the 10 commandments. So this is actually a very popular statement. God helps those who help themselves. Perhaps you've thought it, but it isn't in scripture. In 1736, Benjamin Franklin actually said this statement in the Farmer's Almanac. And somebody asked me, well, Why did he do that? I'm like, I have absolutely no idea why he did that. But all I can conjecture is that the farmer's almanac is what tells people when to plant their crops, etc. So maybe he put it in there to motivate people. You know, hey, God will help you if you help yourself. But actually, it isn't in there. It's like one third true. And then there are two-thirds that really are are false ways of looking at the statement. So we're going to look at the true part, and then we're going to look at the the false part and look at what God actually would have us do, and how does God help us? Does God help us? Well, sure he does, or God does. God is not a he. So first this morning, I want us to think about this scenario that played out in ministry about 15 years ago, there was a lady that came into my office when I was in ministry in Burke County, and she, with tears in her eyes, said, you know, I want you to understand that I feel like God does not love me, and that God has deserted me. And anytime somebody comes to me with that statement, 
that's unsettling. So we started talking about why, and she had had so many difficult circumstances that just seemed to all start piling up on her, and she was in financial trouble. She had been laid off from her job about a year ago, and she was running out of money. She was running out of her lease and was going to have nowhere to live, and It seemed like her friends were turning their backs on her. She just found herself in a very precarious place. I said, well, what makes you feel like that God does not love you and that God has deserted you? And she said, well, frankly, the bottom line is I feel like I can't find a job. And I said, well, talk to me about that. You know, where have you applied, et cetera? And she said, well, I've applied in one place. And I said, well, of the whole year that you've been unemployed, you've only applied at one place? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, let's look at this a little differently. God didn't desert you because the one place that you applied didn't call you and give you the job. Perhaps it would be wise to see a career counselor and apply other places, etc. And then we talked about her feeling of loneliness. And we talked about her prayer journey and her time spent in scripture. And a couple of months went by and she came back. And she said, I have a different perspective on God now. And I said, really, tell me about that. She said, well, after I left you that day, she said, and thank you for not making fun of me. I had only applied for one job in one year. No wonder, you know, I hadn't found a job. But I actually went home and I spent some time in prayer and meditation. And then I actually started applying for jobs in other places. And I did go see a career counselor. And now I'm gainfully employed. And I have a new lease on an apartment. And my life is very different The whole reason that we have been doing this message series this summer was not because it was fun and we kicked it off by going to see the Finding Dory movie, but because things that we believe to be true in scripture, it really is important to our faith. Especially when we hold on to falsehoods that we believe are in there and really aren't like everything happens for a reason. When we're going through tragedies, and people mean well, and they, they want to bring us solace and comfort, so they pat us on the back, and they hold us, and they say, you know, it's okay. It's okay that you're going through this because everything happens for a reason. When we hold on to that theology, the bottom line is, it, is that it doesn't hold up because when life happens, and that's been one of the conclusions of this series, is that actually life does just happen. There's good in the world. There's, there's things in this world that exist that are not good, that are evil. And if we start holding on to theological truths like everything happens for a reason, or you know, God helps those who help themselves, frankly, they just don't hold up. Now, the Apostle Paul is another reason that this statement is 
deemed popular and to be held true in scripture because he was writing a letter to a church in Thessaloniki. It was one of the second churches that he founded. And back when Paul was founding churches, he was trying to get the people to live and act like Jesus Christ. This is after the time of Jesus' life on earth. And so he is starting these new movements, movements of the way of Christ. And he was trying to get people to act like Jesus. So he was trying to instill in them this this way of life. But he also was doing something else. The Apostle Paul believed that Jesus was going to be coming back imminently. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. And so he was urging them to always be ready for the return of Christ. So he writes this letter to the churches that he was founding. And he said these words to them that actually, if we look at these, it prompts us to believe that, you know, God does help those who help themselves because of the advice he was giving to the church in Thessaloniki. This is taken from the book of 2 Thessalonians. Here are these words. For even when we were with you, and Paul is talking about himself, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness. You are mere busybodies, and you're not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. For even when we were with you, we gave this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. Now that does lend itself to God helps those who help themselves. The analogy, the story that I shared with you at the beginning of the message about the lady who went a year without getting a job and she had only applied at one place. You know, God does give us skill, wisdom, knowledge, the ability to persevere, strength, inner peace, Love, joy, hope, all those fruits of the spirit that are contained in scripture. We have those. They are available to us for the taking, for the living. So that's where the statement actually is true. We have some things that make up our own beings and your, your components of your DNA are different than mine. We each have different gifts and different skills that we can use. So God does help us. God does provide us with things that make up who we are so then we can go and we can use those to make a difference in the world. So that's the one third part of the statement that is true. But the other two parts of the statement that are not true is that, you know what? God actually helps those who cannot help themselves. I want to say that again. God also helps those who can't help themselves. There's a story in scripture about the Good Samaritan about a man who is robbed and he's lying in a ditch and a couple of people come by and don't help him. And finally, the man that was scorned comes by and does offer help. A man who would never be considered to 
in society to actually stop and give of himself to help someone in trouble. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. I want to show you this verse from the book of Psalms, and I want us to read it together. The helpless commit themselves to you. You have been the helper of the meek. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice for the orphan and the oppressed. Let's go back to the first screen. The helpless commit themselves to you. You have been the helper of the meek. So God does offer God's self to help the meek, to help the powerless, to help the orphan, to help the widow. There are examples, countless examples throughout scripture where God does work in and through people to help those who are helpless. I wanna show you a picture of a gentleman. How many of you have ever seen someone like this? If you get off at exit 33 in Mooresville, off of I-77, perhaps you see gentlemen standing there. If you lived or have lived in a larger city where there's a larger homeless population, perhaps you've seen someone like this, or maybe you actually have friends that are struggling and have found themselves homeless either now or at one point in their journey. Sometimes when I've been in conversation with folks about the homeless population, statements like, you know, well, God helps those who help themselves tend to surface. Well, you know, if they'd only get a job, if they'd only get a job, then they wouldn't be homeless. Many of the people that are homeless are unable to find work because poverty, the cycle of poverty is a vicious cycle. You know, when you go to apply for a job, what's one of the things they ask for? Your mailing address. If you don't have a home, it's very difficult actually to go get a job. Across our nation now, organizations and nonprofits and some companies are very intentional about helping those people who find themselves in difficult places in life. But I think sometimes we actually do rely on the statement, God helps those who help themselves, and we find ourselves judging other people. Next Saturday is the back to school bash. There's over 1,300 kids coming, etc. The first year that we did the bash, this is the sixth one. It was the last Sunday that as a new faith community, we were at the Mama Church Williamson's Chapel and they were giving us a, a consecration service, a blessing service, and it was gonna be the day after the bash. And honestly, I think the whole church was just a little stressed out. You see, we started the bash thinking, you know, Williamson's Chapel is a very missional church. And, you know, 10 years ago, they collected school supplies and they would give them to Lake Norman Elementary, Lake Norman High School, and Brawley Middle School, the three churches that were down Brawley School Road. And then they branched out a little and the Lakeshore churches that are down Perth Road, not too far from here, were included in the mix. 
as the church grew, the missions team had this vision that, you know what, if you look at the demographic population and you look at where there are homeless people in Morseville, and if you look at where the biggest amount of free and reduced lunch students exist, it is across the interstate. It is across I-77, and they reside in downtown Mooresville. So Williamson's Chapel branched out and started including all the Mooresville graded schools in their back-to-school giveaway. They'd have a breakfast, and then every teacher was invited to come to this breakfast, and then we had boxes of school supplies that were to be given to all the classrooms, and it just grew and grew. And finally, you know, the the fellowship hall, this big area would be packed with school supplies and the teachers had difficulty getting them to their cars and back to their schools. So then we started delivering just school supplies to the schools and the teachers were invited to come to a breakfast. And then we had an idea. We had gone to a training in Dallas, Texas. It was boot camp to launch a new church. And on the radio, they were talking about their back-to-school bash that they were going to have in downtown Dallas. It was going to be held in the, in the Coliseum, and they were expecting thousands of people. And they were going to give away school supplies in a fun atmosphere. There would be vendors, etc. So I came back, and I, thought, I asked our missions team, I said, hey, what if? Instead of taking all these supplies that we collect, you know, throughout the summer and then we take them and just drop them off in a guidance counselor's office so that then when the kids come on the first day of school, they have to ask for what they need. What if instead of taking the school supplies and just leaving them, what if we offered them in a, in a fun, free kind of way so they could start school with what they needed? There was pretty much unanimous support around the first bash. But as it got closer, we started hearing some comments from from the greater community, from some folks that we had asked to be vendors. And the question was this, how do you know they're poor? Hmm? How do you know that they need it? How do you know that they're poor? And so we would explain that in the story in scripture, which is actually contained in each of the four gospels, the story, the feeding of the 5,000, that Jesus did not poll them on their socioeconomic status before he gave them the loaves and the fish. He did not say, hmm, tell me what you make every year and then I'll feed you. And since we're called to be the body of Christ here in this world, we did not feel like it was up to us to poll people and make them prove their need. I'll never forget after the first bash, and it was not 200 children, it was more like 1,000. The lines were so long waiting on pairs of a free pair of tennis shoes that they didn't get to pick out They just would go be seated in a room and someone would kneel at their feet and wash their feet and then offer a prayer. There was no complaining. There was no negativity from the people who were coming to receive the free goods. It was actually just one of the most beautiful days ever. The next day after worship, somebody came up to me and said, 
they were driving a BMW. I said, what? They said, somebody that came here yesterday to get free school supplies, they drove a BMW and we gave them stuff. That picture we saw just a minute ago of the homeless gentleman, God helps those who help themselves. Sometimes we hold on to that myth and we think it is scriptural. And you know what? Not so much. Paul was trying to get the people to stay alert and be ready for the return of Christ. That was the whole point in what he just wrote. Paul was not saying that if you don't work a certain amount or if you don't do this, then God doesn't love you and God doesn't help you. That isn't in there. The whole point of life is so that we can be at one with God, at one with peace, at one with love, at one with hope, and at one with joy. And there are some times in our lives when we find ourselves without those things and we find ourselves feeling absolutely isolated and absolutely without hope. And there's nothing more that we feel like we can do to bring ourselves out of the pit that we are in. And that's where God uses you. You see, we are the presence of God in this world today. Each of us, whether you believe in God or not, the gifts that each of us have been given, we are called to use for other people. And that's one of the reasons we do things like the back to school bash. I wanna show you the video one more time. Now, please don't think, I just watched it. Oh my gosh, are you just trying to get filler? Because no, I've already taken up my 20 minutes. So um, the sermon's been adequately long enough. Yeah, God gives us skills and gifts that we can use to help ourselves. But remember, God also helps those who cannot help themselves. We're not called to judge. The next year that we had the bash, that same BMW, it came back. The lady that drove it volunteered her time. You see, the car was paid off. She had had a job in corporate America in downtown Charlotte. She lost her job. And luckily, the car was paid for. And so then the next year, and many years after that, she gave her time because the community actually cared enough to help her. So I want you to watch the video again. And this time, I want you to look at all the people in the video that are actually being served and then I want you to ask yourself this question, not just next Saturday, because next Saturday will come and go, and, and I believe it'll be a great day. But you see, we're called to be God and to be the hands and feet of Christ and love and hope and peace in this world, not just one day a year, but every day. This afternoon, tomorrow, in October, 
in the mundane day-to-day existence of life, we're called to help those who cannot help themselves. No questions asked. So as you watch the video this time, I want you to look at the faces of the people that come to Bash. And I want you to ask yourself and ask God, what gifts do you have? And what skills do you have so that we can work together to help those who cannot help themselves? Take a look.
So we asked the folks that came last year, can you tell us if how BASH made a difference? So this morning as we close, I want to share these words with you. I received an email asking for a statement about how BASH helped my children get ready for school. Where do I begin? Honestly, I could not have done it without your help. I have four school-aged children, and our family was really struggling. My husband was laid off and starting a new business. We were barely holding it together, much less putting food on the table. The thought of getting four children ready for school with supplies, shoes, and haircuts was overwhelming as a parent. Not only did we receive these things, but we received the washing of the feet. The volunteers took all the children that needed shoes and washed their little feet and talked so sweet and tender to them. I felt I truly witnessed God's grace through these wonderful volunteers. Remember, God helps those who cannot help themselves. I would like to take a moment to let anyone and everyone know how much the bash helped my family last year. My husband was medically discharged from the army after 21 years and four deployments, which were 12 to 18 months each because of an injury he sustained in Afghanistan. We moved to Mooresville so he could attend school. We had no money for a couple of months and struggled to put food on the table. School supplies were the last thing in our budget. There was no way we could provide them. We never let our kids know how bad things are. And we do the best we can. But without this program, we wouldn't have had the good shoes for them, the book bags, or the supplies. Not to mention all the kind people and fun things for them to do made it more than just getting a handout. It made them excited about having something to do that mom and dad didn't have to say no to because we couldn't afford it. I can't express how much it means to us to have this. And the final one. This event has been a godsend for me and my family for many years. But for some of these years, it's been even more. Now, I want to stop for just a second and remind you, you know, we don't promote the bash as a Christian event because we are ecumenical and we have some sponsors that are willing to be a part of it as a nonprofit, not necessarily a religious organization. But when you come and you have your feet washed, which is almost all of the children that come, we offer a prayer. So at the time of the prayer, you sort of figure out that it might be a religious event, but we don't cram Jesus or God down people's throats. But I found it interesting that in all these responses, they mention God. I raised my two children on my own with no support of any kind. There have been years that I was between jobs when school was to begin and I had no idea how I was gonna get the basics for my children. After my son graduated and went off to college, I still had my daughter at home. There were a few years we didn't have money for even pencils. One year we were homeless and if not for the back to school bash and others in our community with loving hearts, my daughter would have started school with nothing. No child should ever have to feel different. And the bash saw to it that my child didn't. The back to school bash is a wonderful family oriented event that provides an outing for families along with a chance for kids to pick up their own, pick out their own book bags and receive shoes, which included them getting their feet washed. What a treat. 
They get to listen to music and dance and get a decent meal. They get to feel like any other child because now they have notebooks and pens and pencils, colored pencils and glue sticks, notebooks and paper, and much, much more inside a new book bag. Anyone who has never struggled to make sure that their child looks and feels like every other child on the first day of school would not and could not understand this. But the organization and the people who thought of this wonderful event did understand. I've been a part of the bash since their second year. I serve and I also appreciate this event more than anyone can imagine. Please keep providing away financially and make your donations with open hearts. I thank all who donate a million times over. This year, although I now have a job, I still need your services and I'll be attending as I've had several car repairs since February and undergoing some health issues and tests which have caused me to miss some work. And since I'm paid hourly, that means less pay. Without this event, my daughter would not have had what she needs. Ah, I thank them, I thank you, I thank God. God helps those who can't help themselves and we're called to be those people. Let us pray. Gracious God, I just ask that you do help us to see and be your hands and your feet here in our community and in our world, not just today, next Saturday, but all the time. For your children, all God's people, there are times when we hurt and there are times when we need peace. Let us here in this auditorium and online let us be those vessels of peace as we help those who cannot help themselves. In Christ's name, amen.